All right. It was a false alarm. Is it, everyone, yeah. All right. That was a false alarm. So we're going to go ahead and start the panel. Uh, thank you all for coming. Yay. I didn't even have to say anything, and they're clapping. All right. Uh, we're here for the Aftermath panel. Uh, how many of you got Aftermath last night at midnight? Yeah. Nice. Awesome. So my name's Nancy Schwartz. I'm from the Tashi Station blog and podcast, um, and I am very, very excited to be moderating this panel because I love Star Wars, I love the Expanded Universe, and I love Chuck Wendig. So all three of those things come together. Um, so uh, Chuck, uh, I'll in- let you introduce yourself. Please. Oh, okay. Uh, hello. Hello. Uh, hi, my name is... I'm going to take this. It's not loud. Can you hear me? Am I yeah. good now? All right, good. Uh, my name is Chuck Wendig. I am the author of way too many books. Um, really, like a lot of books. I should stop. And it's only been a couple years, so I clearly have a problem. Um, I'm the author of the Miriam Black series, uh, the Heartland Young Adult series. Uh, I have a new science fiction book out called Zeros, uh, which is about hackers versus an NSA self-aware hive mind. Uh, and then I have this little self-published independent release that I call Star Wars Aftermath. <laughs> uh, and I think it's maybe out. And Zeros just came out a few weeks ago. Zeros so just came out like two weeks ago. You were ago, very so. busy. Yeah, and then Blackbirds comes back in two weeks, so I have my dance cards a little full. Yes, and if you like Star Wars, which obviously you're all here, uh, the Heartland trilogy is uh, pretty Star Wars-y, you would say, right? Uh, one of the blurbs on the book is it's John Steinbeck meets Star Wars, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. I'm about halfway through the Miriam, the first Miriam Black book. Cool. It's... It's good. Um, so when we interview uh, guests, we always ask them the same first question, so I figured we'd ask you that, Uh-oh. which is, how did you become a Star Wars fan? Uh, I became a Star Wars fan very, very early. Uh, I was four years old, and um, I went to... My sister took me to a drive-in theater to see Empire Strikes Back, and uh, she took a, a boyfriend, or a boyfriend took her, and he took his little brother, and she took her little brother. Presumably, they didn't watch the movie. <laughs> Presumably, they had their own little movie happening. Uh, and I did not watch them, thankfully. Otherwise, I'd be scarred right now. I watched the movie, in fact, very dil- Maybe that's why I focused so heavily on the movies, because I wasn't watching them. Uh, so Empire Strikes Back sort of uh, burred its way into my brain. Uh, and from there, it was just sort of uh, I pickled and brined myself in the Star Wars universe uh, over the many uh, decades after. Uh, and now my own son is actually four years old, and he's just starting to get into Star Wars. So it's like the whole circle is complete and there's actually a whole generational component not only to fandom but also to um the star wars universe in terms of obviously how the prequels lead into the original trilogy leads into the new films and um even in this book there's a generational component of the character uh nora who has her son uh temin and so there's a kind of a whole thing it's a very generational thing for me and he uh he came up with some really good lines you wrote a blog post the other day when he was talking about oh, my before son. the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> He's begun uh, speaking phrases, but always but preceding it with uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then he'll say something. Uh, so it was like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I had a tr- I was born with a trumpet. Uh, but I never blew the trumpet, so we're going to do it now. And then he summoned Ewoks. And then there was like a long time ago and in another different galaxy far, far away, this dirt is old. And then I'm like, okay, that's fine. The dirt is old. And he's like, it is from before the darkness. And I'm like, <laughs> cool. Okay, sure. 
So some of you might know this story because uh, you've told it before, but it's such a great story. So I wanted to ask you again, how exactly did you get the gig writing Aftermath? Uh, I should preface this by this is not how you get things usually in life. <laughs> uh, this is not maybe the most professional or correct way to get anything ever. Uh, but one year ago today, I tweeted that I would like to write a Star Wars novel. Uh, and I even said, like, I shake the internet to make, like, the wish come true or something like that. I made, like, a gesture online. And uh, various folks sort of conspired behind the scenes to make it happen, uh, one of them being Gary Whitta, who was one of the writers on uh, Star Wars Rogue One, the anthology film. Uh, he's now writing some Rebels, as I understand it. Um, uh, Jason Fry, another Star Wars author, who was, he, he wrote a whole blog post, like, why Chuck Wendig should write a Star Wars novel. Uh, and then they had um, a husband of one of the editors at Del Rey. I mean, like, I will talk to my wife, who will talk to her friend, and we'll see what we can do. And uh, next thing I knew, I met uh, Shelly Shapiro at New York Comic Con that year. Uh, and she came up to me. She's like, I read one of your books. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I was, well, that's, that's me out. I'm, I'm done. No Star Wars for me. Uh, thankfully, she read the one book that was actually kind of Star Warsy, which was Under the Imperial Sky. If she had read anything else, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. Uh, so she did read it, and um, sure enough, offered me a contract. Uh, and then originally, the, the date was going to be the date of release was going to be uh, November, and closer to the film. And then they bumped it up uh, by several months actually to the September 4th uh, which first of all uh, uh, cut my actually time to write the book I was like I'm like, I got plenty of time and she's like we're going to move the date up which means we're going to move your date up and I was like I have like 30 days so that's fine we're going to do this uh, but it turned out fine we, we worked that little scheduling snafu out um, and then the date the actually release date was September 4th one year to the day when I shook the internet for a wish that's the force at work that is the force yeah I had the force for like one minute and it worked <laughs> So so when they asked you to write Aftermath, what, did you know at that time that it was going to be this journey to The Force Awakens, the first post-Return of the Jedi canon novel, or was it just, let's hear what you have to, what you want to write about Star Wars? Uh, she, they didn't actually, when they hired me, there was no book. It was just like, would you like to write one? Yes. And like, well, great, you're hired and we'll figure out what. And then when she finally came, she's like, here's the book we want you to write, and it's the book set. It's going to be a book set after Return of the Jedi. They didn't actually kind of let me know that that was important. Like, I mean, I knew internally that it was important, but it, they kind of played it down. Like, ah, oh, you're just, you know, pitch us a story, and we'll see where it goes. It'll be fine. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, so I did. So I pitched them a story, and um, I only sort of kind of got the inkling as to how important it was. Not only as I was in the middle of writing it and be like, but this is really consequential stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm aware of what came before, and I know uh, that we're sort of, you know, going uh, beyond what we already know here. Um, and then when it really hit me was after all of that, like not like now, but or like weeks ago, like month, just a few months ago, when start like all the hype started to ramp up. And I was like, oh no, uh oh, people are going to be paying attention to this book. I was like, I kind of knew that uh, abstractly, but I'm like that. So that that's when the pressure came on. The pressure wasn't when I was writing it. The pressure wasn't when I got the job. Uh, the pressure was actually sort of after the fact when I started to see the immense um, fan interest in this book. So do you ever succumb to that? Oh God! Oh God! What have I gotten myself into? Uh, I cry in the shower. That's all. <laughs> 
once or twice a day. That's okay, right? That's normal. Uh, no, it's not. I mean, it's not like a crushing thing. It's mostly actually kind of awesome um, to sort of have that sort of responsibility and to be uh, in the position that I am is a greatly fortunate one. Uh, it's a little overwhelming, but it's not um, troubling in any way. So at San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con, they announced that you are writing the next two books in yes. the Aftermath trilogy. It is a trilogy, and I am writing the whole darn thing. Was that always on the table? Or it was that- always on the table, but I wasn't necessarily the one doing it. Okay. Um, they wanted to see, obviously, wisely, <laughs> how I did with the first book. Um, not, not in terms of sales, but in terms of just their what they saw come out of the, the process. Uh, was I easy to work with? Did I actually write a good book? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, hopefully I did, and hopefully they liked it because they hired me for more. Yay. Yay. We're glad. Yay. Um, so this this is the first canon novel, and it's yes. very important. So yes. That's, so that. <laughs> did you go ahead and say, this is what I would like to write about, or did they say, this is a story we want you to tell, um, or did it kind of merge together? No, they gave me the time, um, and they gave me the purpose of the book, um, uh, you know, to tell this gap of time, to tell this span of time. So that's really all I got. And then they basically said, well, pitch us, pitch us a story, uh, which is really to their credit. And one of the great benefits of working for them is I never felt uh, like I was handed like a menu of options and I just sort of had to pick and choose until the story was made. Uh, they're very interested in the creator's vision of things um, and very interested in, you know, stylistic stuff and trying to, you know, make having the author have a, an authorial presence in the work. Um, and so, no, I actually got to sort of pitch my own story, which was really exciting because I have like 30 years of Star Wars built in my head. So I just sort of tilted it over and it gushed out onto the paper. It was actually very cool. And there are – so we're – because the book came out last night, we're not expecting you guys to have read the book, so we're not going to talk. No, about I'm expecting that happen. You are you are I'm an, you are an anomaly. You. <laughs> Don't listen to her. No, so, we will sit here and read it together if we have to. <laughs> story time. Yeah, story time <laughs> with me. So, but there are some interludes in the book that True. are taking place kind of elsewhere in the galaxy. Yes, that's Was right. Was that something that they kind of said we want it? We kind of want to kind of guide. A journey to the Force Awakens and see what happened. Uh, here, here's kind of here's how it exactly happened. The very first thing they said, and it wasn't really a uh, do this; it was just sort of a noodled idea. They really liked um, World War Z, the novel, not so much the film. The, uh, not that I'm commenting on the film, but the, the novel is a very different uh, animal in that it's very scattered. It's like a kind of just a quilt of stories about this particular time and this particular struggle. Um, this zombie war. So they were like, well, maybe we could do that, and maybe it would be this, just this sort of like series of vignettes in the Star Wars uh, galaxy, um, which it, it, to me is interesting, um, but not interesting enough to carry a whole book. And for me, there's value still in telling. Like Star Wars to me is not, I don't want to say a certain mode of story, but it is a story. It's not just a series of like, you know, sh- painting with shotguns. I mean, it's a thing. It's a, there's a certain feel I get when you watch Rebels or Clone Wars or, or the film, either of the trilogies. Uh, and I still wanted to have that. So I'm like, well, the way, you know, I'm always interested in that cake and eat it too component of storytelling. Like, how can we have both of those things? And for me, the way you do that is you tell about three chapters of story of, you know, your A and B plot, and then you drop out of that into these interludes. And these interludes take us to various parts of the galaxy, and they take us to various, um, sometimes characters that we know from uh, the pre existing Star Wars material, the canon. 
or it um, helps us understand how certain aspects of the galaxy are dealing with the current events, uh, whether it's the bounty hunters or, uh, you know, what's the criminal underworld doing? Um, what, what's just like a family scene like? What, how do families deal with this kind of struggle? So, it, you know, it was both a way to um, reveal kind of interesting plot details, um, but also check in sort of in a way with the rest of the galaxy. Um, and the goal with those plot details was... You know, not to be this big info dumpy like this is happening, and just like A to B to C, and then it's like you're just re- it's like IKEA furniture. You don't want to. We're not trying to put something together here. You were still trying to tell a story, and so you're doing that through the lens, ideally, of character uh, and context in the galaxy at large. And how do you go about? Did they say, okay, this is sort of the blueprint, um, what the galaxy is starting to look like, and kind of write these scenes showing that or was it more your direction no it was surprisingly very it's more my direction than i thought it was going to be like i really thought they were going to be like this again like here's like your list of things that you have to do uh and it was always a conversation not a um a list of mandates the only mandates i got were things that i really wasn't supposed to to write or things that um characters i wasn't supposed to deal with in certain ways uh so there were things that were off the table and that was all i really got things that were off the table so there was nothing that had to be forcibly on the table exactly um so it was a very uh cool process to sort of build this stuff together and be a uh, actually like a part of that and, and a guiding force behind it so the book uh chronicles several recurring characters or people who we've seen before and original characters uh one of the recurring characters is a pilot by the name of wedge antilles uh yeah some guy uh was that your choice or was that yeah that was yeah that was i i mean wedge is awesome yeah um i feel like like i've said this before wedge is like a swiss army knife to me he's like he just he works in almost all these stories. He fits, and he has so much to do, and he has so much to say. Uh, and he's just a good character, and he's kind of underused in the films. Um, but that kind of brings him out really well on the page. Uh, and so I wanted to do that. And then I also wanted to kind of do some inversion things with him as um, you know, as the hero in danger, sort of the, the man in danger, and a woman has to come and rescue him. Thank you for that. Sure. We would like to see fan art of Damsel in Distress, Wedge Antilles, please. Right. Okay. <laughs> we could- Thank you. Um, Another character that uh, was introduced last year uh, in A New Dawn is Ray Sloan. Yeah. Uh, And at the time, I think a lot of us thought, you know, okay, she's a cool character, but... Never see her again. Yeah, Yeah. never see her again. Um, Then she showed up. She's showing up in Jason Fry's short story. She's showing up in... uh, She showed up in an insider story, and now... Uh, I know when the excerpt came out and we found out she was in Aftermath, people flipped out. Yeah. Was that was that your choice to use her? Or was it like we want to use a character? We, we I knew they wanted to use a character that had pre-existed. Uh, and so um, she was one of those possible characters to use, and I wanted to use her. She's a fascinating character. She's a pragmatist. She's not sort of... Um, uh, I mean, she's a believer, but she's not faithful in the sense that she's not a, a, a cultist for the Empire. She's, uh, I think she's more interested in the governmental side of it. I think she believes in her mission. I mean, the great thing about writing cool villains is that they don't know they're villains. Uh, they believe in what they're doing, that they believe that they are the heroes of their own story. She's not doing this to be a jerk. She's not like, we're going to, the Empire is just mean, and we like being mean, and then kicking over <laughs> anthills and sandcastles. She has, I mean, she believes in this. This is her thing 
thing. She is protecting the galaxy, and she is, you know, watching it fall apart to these, you know, ragtag band of rebel miscreants. So much so that they even kind of refuse to refer to this as a government. They don't even want to call it the New Republic. It's still this, these just these like rebel scum, right? Um, so that to me is a fascinating take on a, on someone inside the Empire because the Empire in the films is a little bit more cartoonishly evil. Um, and mostly that's because in a novel you get the internal dimension, whereas in films you don't really necessarily get the internal dimension as much. So uh, to me it's cool to provide some context for that and why maybe people believe and why maybe people are part of the Empire uh, as opposed to just like joining on to like Team Bully. Um, so <laughs> She kind of reminds me of Admiral Piet. Sure. From the films, yeah. or uh, Admiral Paleon from the Paleon, right. Expanded Universe, where yep. it's just a very loyal character, but they're yeah. not evil. No, you know? not evil. And you uh, you said last night that that was your decision to promote her from Captain Yes, to Admiral. promote her, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, I think it was necessary to give her the weight uh, and the responsibility in the story. And if you are interested in reading more about her, she's going to be in... Jason Fry's short story that's coming out in Rise of the Empire, and it's going to be about her at the Battle of Endor. It's a great story, yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. Um, so, let's talk about your original characters. Mm. Uh, let's talk about Nora. Um, I'm about a third of the way through the book, and Nora is awesome. Thank you. She's a, thank you for writing a lady pilot. Sure, and a mother. Yes. She's a mother. So, what, how, what did you, what, what kind of inspiration did you have to create that character? Uh, like I said, there's this great generational component to Star Wars. Um, a lot of the people who enjoyed uh, both the original trilogy and even to a point the prequel trilogy are starting to have children. Um, and their kids are starting to get into Star Wars. Um, and, you know, I feel like sometimes films or TV shows, they sort of create characters and then young adult has a problem with this. It's like you kill both the parents and then the, the t- there's no connections to anyone else. Um, and one of the missions of the book for me was to try to look both like I did with Sloan, like why is she a member of the Empire, uh, but also with uh, members of the New Republic. Why are they rebels? Why did they rebel against this uh, government? Why did they rebel against this empire? What made them do that? Um, and to me, there's a great story. Um, it's so frequently a personal thing. It's not usually some abstract uh, ethical decision you make. It's something kind of more visceral, something in your gut. Uh, And that's usually driven by a personal experience. And family is such a great personal experience. It's such a thing that drives you. And so when you have a breach in your family or or, or sort of something is ripped away from you, in this case, uh, Nora and her son Temin lose um, her husband and his father to the Empire. He's he's a a secret rebel sympathizer and um, kind of a propagandist. And he gets whisked away in the night, kidnapped by the Empire. And uh, so it tears that family apart, and he's missing. And so she goes to join uh, the Rebel Alliance to basically try to find him, and to try. And she kind of doesn't. And then that leaves her son alone and angry with her for not finding him. And so to me, there's this great conflict there because then the son doesn't really care much for the, the what is now the New Republic. Um, so it's this neat family dynamic to me. It's this generational component that I like to uh, play with, and um, just looking at why they are who they are. And one of the things that struck me as I'm reading, it seems like every other character that's named is a lady. Um, and that's been a problem in Star Wars in the past. Um, and I, obviously from your other books, that's diversity is important. Um, yeah. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Uh, when I was a kid and I would play Star Wars, as you do, um, I would play with my cousin Julie. And Julie would play Leia. 
and I would play everybody else. <laughs> and uh, that wasn't necessarily something that was enforced. It wasn't like a top-down decision, like, well, I have to be the boy characters, and you have to be the girl character. Uh, it was just kind of like, that was sort of how we did it, and that was sort of how we played. And later on, like I, mean, I didn't realize it at the time that that was weird. I'm like, sure, I could be all these, and you could be that. We're good. Uh, later on, you start to realize, like, wow, that's weird. Like, there's a lot more women in life than there are in that movie. So <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. You start to count, and you're like, oh, it's actually like half and half. Oh, shit. <laughs> so you start to realize, I, I should maybe, you know, maybe a fiction should, you know, not forcibly look like that. It's not some sort of, like, diversity bingo. But, it, you know, why shouldn't we um, include more people who don't look like me? Um, and why shouldn't we speak to audiences who are not me? Um, the diversity of the audience uh, should represent uh, the diversity of the stories and the characters. And ideally the writers, too. Um, you know, this goes beyond Star Wars, but it should, in pop culture, it should go all the way through the infrastructure, just to be clear. We appreciate that very much. Thank you. I'm still a white dude. I can't be. I can't do the. I can't do the other parts. But okay. So uh, we are gonna get ready to open up for questions. If you have a question, line up at the microphone there. Ooh, it's um, official. Um, before we start, before we start with the questions, I have one question to ask. Um, there's been some discussion on the internet about mm. um, yeah. that. You know, there's some dis discomfort about that some of these other stories are oh, legends now sure um but i you have ex experience with them or you've read them what's what's your experience with those stories uh they're great and they're still out there um like hopefully if they're on your shelves now like no one took them from you <laughs> uh i didn't it wasn't me if they're gone it was not me just to be very clear about that uh and i think it's awesome to continue to love them Yay. Danny Moonstar, you have a question. I do. I think question one is for the room, as in what is the level of spoilers we are going for with these questions? Um, well, there are some questions I'd really love to ask. Uh -huh. I think probably. If you, have, if you have spoilery questions about plot details, yes. try to come after the panel. Okay. There okay. you go. Or on Twitter. Yes. Okay. Uh, if you want to ask about characters that might show up, that's not really a spoiler. You know, it, that's fine. It could be. It could be. I mean, Waru shows up on page 85, so... I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Uh, I wanted to ask about Mr. Bones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that may have been the most delightful droid I've read in a very long time. Sure. Um, I just wanted to ask like, the thought process that went into him and just yeah. having him as the... And for those of you who haven't gotten that far, like, explain who Mr. Bones is. Uh, Temin, the, uh, the boy, the son... Uh, makes things and he runs a little black market shop on this planet Akiva uh, he's been sort of left alone to his own devices and he has fallen to crime effectively uh, and he is also a builder and a maker of things and so one of the things he has made for himself is a bodyguard um, he has built an old modified I should say an old B1 battle droid uh, B-O-N-E Bone Mr. Bones uh, he has turned him into a kind of a lunatic bodyguard and he, he's um he's literally covered in actual bones like he's decorated him in bones and he's sharpened uh, the battle droid sort of muzzle and put teeth on him uh part of his head's cracked open and there's like a, a lens there uh so he's a terrifying fixture and part of the reason i wanted to do it was because the battle droids are sort of dipshits uh they're like i don't know who ever thought they were an effective fighting force like they continue to just throw them at things but it's roger roger and then their lightsaber into pieces 
It's like constantly being just light, and no one like even cares. They're like, the the lightsaber action to to dispatch a battle droid is just like, like they just zow and they just fall to pieces. So, but I like sort of like the shape of them because they're skeletal and they're sort of bony, and they almost look like some sort of pterodactyl thing that sort of lost its skin. Uh, so I'm like, there's something horrifying there and interesting if you can do it. And so Mr. Bones is basically this lunatic bodyguard who's also programmed with other modules. Like he's a dancer and he sings to himself sometimes. So he's, uh, for as deranged as he is, I also find him sort of heartwarming. <laughs> like, he, I, like, I really like him. He's sort of a sweet character. He's kind of like Chopper. He's kind of like Chopper. Yeah. <laughs> Except more deadly. Yes. Yeah. If you could write a Star Wars book about any character or set in any time period, who or what would it be and why? Oh, man. Uh, first of all, I would love to write in the Old Republic era. I just like it. And I, I, I'll be absolutely honest with you. I tried very hard to sneak HK-47 into this book. <laughs> I begged and I pleaded. I even wrote the chapter. I'm like, listen, I want this in. There was an interlude. It made sense. It was so awesome. And they're like, no. <laughs> no, you can't do that right now. It's like, ah. So if I had to, I would literally write a whole book featuring HK47. <laughs> it would be the, it would be, be my swan song. It would be amazing. Someone should let me do that. I wish for it. So there's a lot of there's a lot of references sprinkled throughout the book. I noticed so far, like just to you know random galactic stuff. It was did you have that knowledge in your head already of just knowing Star Wars, or were there ever things they're like, okay, here's the Star Wars Bible? No, no Bible. It was pretty much out of my head. Every once in a while, I would look look up something online, but when I looked something up online, it was something that was in my head. I just couldn't get the name right. Or, you know what I mean? It was like one of those yeah. things. I'm like, I have it. Nah. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty much me, for better or for worse. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, I know you just. Sorry. Uh, basically, my question is this: uh, There's a lot of quite popular EU stuff out there. I know basically all of it got put to one side. Sure. But I was wondering if you'd read some of it to give yourself an idea about certain characters. Basically, I'm asking, does Tycho live? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might have a vested interest in that question. Okay. <laughs> because uh, I'm a huge fan of the um, Rogue Squadron sure, series. Sure, yeah, it, which is actually, points. I think, some of my favorites, yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're really great. So basically, does Tycho live? <laughs> uh, I, I, have, I am not involved there. <laughs> but sure, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. That isn't, that isn't like a Schrodinger's cat question. The cat is both dead and alive at the same time. <laughs> Oh, great. I'll yeah. buy a book of first chance I get. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to find out. Yeah, just to find out. And one of the things that's awesome about Nora is that she was at the Battle of Endor, and there's kind of a little flashback to that battle, and yeah, you find out yeah. who she who she is flying in that battle. Right. It's, right. She's in one of the Y-Wings there, yeah. yeah. It's pretty, pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, um, I like that. I also asked Twitter some questions. Uh-oh. They want to know... Uh, Twitter, Twitter. Is your beard full of secrets, and is your beard made of bees? <laughs> My beard is full of secret bees. <laughs> because you can't see them, so they are secret. <laughs> Answer that question. Nailed it. <laughs> I dropped the mic, but I probably Way to break go, the Twitter. mic. Yeah. Yes. Um, as a Star Wars fan, what meaning for you did it have to write a book that's helping build the foundation for everything going forward? Uh, that cannot be uh, put in words. Uh, it can only mostly be put in squeals <laughs> and uh, just vibrations. I don't know. It's amazing. Like, y- you know, I watched Return of the Jedi, and uh, y- you know, from that moment, I had my own questions and I had my own story sort of play out in my head as it. 
probably did for everybody. Uh, and for years, I had those, and they modified and changed, and the questions changed. And um, as you read some of the books, they would change them and affect it. But I always still sort of had my my head cannon, um, which is a great term. It always makes me think of like a gun that emerges from my head. <laughs> Which, you know, when you're enforcing your own headcanon, use an actual headcanon. Um, so it's really surreal to have my headcanon become kind of actually canon. Like, I don't know. That doesn't seem possible. Like, that didn't seem possible to me 30 years ago. Uh, and it almost doesn't seem possible to me now. Uh, so, but it's great. I have this little postage stamp-sized bit of the, uh, the the canonical real estate, which is pretty fantastic. Next. Go ahead. Hey. Uh I can't quite remember who runs it, but sort of like just to make sure that the canon is going well. Uh, story group. Story group, yes. Do you stick with them a lot? And uh, like, what's the experience with that? Like, you can't do this and you can't do that. I guess that would be like what what the process is for writing a Star Wars book. Exactly. Sure. Um, initially, I sort of pitched to the editor, uh, and the editor liaised with the story group. Uh, but over time, it just became a conversation with them directly. Uh, and we'd have scheduled these phone calls and stuff just to sort of talk about not only this book then, but to talk about how the next uh, books will unfold and then kind of how some of the other properties sort of want to be fed into it. Because obviously this is a big organic garden growing up. This is not um, one, you know, uh, siloed story and another siloed story. They don't, they all play together. You know, in something like Marvel, uh, the comics are largely separate from the film. They rub off on each other, but they are not directly connected. They're not linked. Um, the games are not linked. The, a lot of things aren't linked. Um, so, but in this, it's all together. So, you know, part of it is just trying to shepherd all these stories forward and making sure that they're telling unique and interesting stories all on their own um, that also have uh, ties to, you know, like um, this has a tie to, there's a mobile game called Uprising. It has a, an interlude that ties very explicitly to that. Um, so that's mostly where the story group conversations come in. Yes. That guy kind of asked my question. All I right. didn't really want to just shove that. Back <laughs> <in my laughs> so thanks for all the previous books. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, next question. Um, hi. Um, what were some of the challenges you faced in writing Aftermath, knowing that you're writing in a clean slate post-Jedi and the expectations of the expanded universe generations? Uh, it's a weird question because I didn't really have a whole lot of time to worry about the, the expectations. I didn't have a whole lot of time to sort of think too much about the challenges so much as I just wanted to write a great book and tell a great story. Um, you know, obviously part of the goal is to not be redundant um, and tell something that you feel like has been told already, um, but at the same time not tell something that doesn't fit with everything else that's already out there. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's trying to tell a great story. Uh, and it's trying to tell a great Star Wars story. Um, I, you know, I know I have a very ex sort of a, a voice, I think, that I have in my fiction. And obviously for my personal goal is to not necessarily lose that. But at the end of the day, that has to fall to telling a great Star Wars adventure um, and not be overly political and not be overly uh, tilting toward one aspect of the universe over another uh, at the cost of losing a great sort of Star Wars thing. So... And I think it's important to note that you you don't have if you were a fan of the old expanded universe you don't have to hate the new stuff. It's not an it's either actually a or. Contract we all signed. Oh, we all hated. Damn it! So that's wrong. Oh, crap. But yeah, I mean, 
I, you know, there are people here who grew up reading the books and are super excited about what's coming next. You get think you think about it, you get two stories yeah. that are equally valid. I think comics readers get it. Uh, because comics readers are constantly seeing um, universes destroyed and new stories and new iterations of characters come back. And um, I think for the most part, that's generally pretty awesome. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I know there's always some agita about it, but generally speaking, it's like, ooh, what's coming next? And what's, how's, what's, how's that story going to happen? And how's that reboot going to change things? Um, but Star Wars is a little more of a unified thing. So I think that's where you sort of have a little more, you know, kind of bumping up against it. Yes. Hi. Are there any aspects of Wedge's character that you, by accident or by purpose, whatever, sort of wound up coming from the older EU books? Uh, not explicitly things, but um, the vibe, the Wedge vibe, because he's not really in the films. He's not really <laughs> there. You know, he's like, high fives at Ewok Village. Like, yeah, yeah Wedge. <laughs> but, I mean, he's not like, they don't get a moment. There's not even a scene where, like, Wedge, tell me about yourself. And he's like, well... I was born in a barn, and you're like, okay, Wedge, thank you for sharing that. It's just like Wedge is just like, I'm here, and then they do stuff. Uh, so, I mean, it's hard not to uh, have that sort of spiritual uh, vibe of Wedge, because he, he really comes from the books at the end of the day. Yes, yeah, I'm again. I'm going to ask the actual question I meant to ask before. My <laughs> mind just went blank. Um, <laughs> basically, given the massive list of characters that yes. survived the Return of the Jedi and were celebrating with the Ewoks. Sure not killing them or they should have been right did you actually did you actually have a list of people that you couldn't kill <laughs> uh well i wasn't trying to kill a whole bunch of people in this book but i am thinking about it in other books so that conversation has been happening okay. um so yes i can't say who or what well but obviously yeah, there's luke and Han. You well sure you know, yeah i can kill luke so i did that i killed him <laughs> luke is dead uh and i will take a note too briefly but then i think the ewoks are badass um, you know, these are uh, uh, little furry monster bears <laughs> who we're going to eat people. Like, not like eat them like just jokingly. Like, we like, ha, 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 and everyone laughs. But I mean, really, they were going to cook them and eat them. And uh, it's an insurgent force on a planet who basically repelled a technologically superior enemy. Uh, just like with gliders and Ryan, they beat people to death. Like, I mean, it's not shown on screen, but they're hitting them with rocks. And then at the end, when everyone is like, yeah, high five, they're playing drums on the empty helmets of stormtroopers. <laughs> Where do we think those stormtroopers went? You see a few Ewoks going like this. Just That's where that happened. Chief Chirpa fed well that night, my friends. So Ewoks are badass. What's that? I, I bet they did and they didn't know it. It's like a Hannibal Lecter thing. <laughs> Does anyone watch Hannibal? He's like always dining with people and you're like, oh, he's eating people. They're all eating people. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Soylent Green is made of stormtroopers. Stormtrooper Green. So. Did you have a question about yes. Ewoks eating people? I, I actually had a question about the other thing with the Ewoks that happened uh, in like chapter 57 that we're not allowed to talk about. The mating? The yes, mating that. rituals? Sure. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Sexy. I really <laughs> Super sexy Ewok mating rituals. It's the climax of the story. Very climax of the story. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I really want to ask you about Terrace. Oh, sure. However, in deference to the yeah. rest of the people in the room, I will avoid it. Oh, that chapter. Come yeah. up that chapter after. has some, you some stuff. You can come some, up afterwards. Some there's things. a business in it, yeah. Uh, so what I did want to mention, though, is that you have effectively quadrupled the number of LGBT characters that are in the galaxy far, far away with this book. Sure. Um, and I'm only saying this because it was an EW headline this morning. So Yes, it was on Entertainment yeah. Weekly, so, Bye. yeah. 
Um, so I just wanted to know, like, was that something else that was very conscious in your mind? Because yeah. in the previous Legends universe, I think we managed to count two. Uh, uh, sure. There were two gay Mandalorians. Yeah. Um, two? Juhani. Oh, right. Sorry. Three. So now, Three. We're, now we're what above yeah. how many there were. So I just wanted to know, like, re- was that something you were consciously thinking about or just something that sort of, like, slipped in, given that at least one of these characters is pretty main? Uh, no, I, I was, was conscious. Um, and the thing is, like, it's a weird question, uh, not that you're asking, but that people will say, like, oh, did you, you did it just because. Like, it's either, like, you either need to have a huge plot reason for it. Like, their gayness will be, like, the entire plot of the book. Like, it's, like, gay empire. <laughs> or that you did it randomly. Like, a sh- like where you just fell into a, their homosexuality. You're just like, it just happened. I don't know how that happened. Um, and it's sort of a weird thing because you're like, well, like, and they get sometimes they bristle when you're like, well, you did it just because, like, and you're like, well, that's. Yeah. Are we assuming that like the white guy was the default? Because that's how that sounds, right? Is like any deviation from basically me in a there book has to, be a has to be a plot reason or some big, or or it, it's just a glib, like you just did it, and you're like, well, I don't know, can I just like people are just people, I don't know. Um, but no, it was a very conscious decision. Um, again, that sort of thing I was talking about that representing um, an audience uh, that is diverse, I think, means uh, putting diverse characters and uh, all that stuff onto the page. And I and often as you're writing and creating the characters, sometimes they might just reveal something about themselves that you didn't realize. You're like, oh, I think this character is... Sure. Hey. Yeah. And the, um, you know, science fiction is supposed to be a a thing that boldly looks forward in a lot of ways and also boldly looks at who we are. Um, and it reflects it in a future context and sort of envisions both where we're going, whether or not literally, so obviously Star Wars is not our future um, in the same way that Star Trek is. But it... Uh, <laughs> I please use those liberal air quotes if you ever quote me. Um, but I still think there's such a great value, not only in fiction in general, but science fiction should be at an edge of a something. It shouldn't necessarily be a conservative... Uh, and I don't mean conservative in a political way. I mean conservative in the, like, well, I don't want to take risks with this fiction. I don't want to go outside of a certain space or a certain sphere. Um, I think it's, a, you know, science fiction as a genre that is kind of frequently on the edge of certain kinds of futurist topics. Um, there's value to do that in a more sociological and uh, political way, too, sometimes. Uh, so. Yeah, And you're kind of making a statement about the world without actually having to do it in the world. Yeah, but, the, you know, in, in the books where I'm talking about the world, too, I try to yeah. make the same statement. Exactly. Yep, next question. Um, okay, so I don't, um, I don't want you to spoil anything. Um, I don't, I don't Luke dies. You to. <laughs> <laughs> but Page 85. Um, I lightsaber him to death. Yeah. <laughs> how much information were you given about The Force Awakens and the time period between that and Return of the Jedi? Uh, I know a pretty good bit about the time between. I don't know what happens really in the film. Um, I know a few things. Um, but uh, the movie is going to be a big surprise to me, too. Um, but I know kind of how we get to The Force Awakens. That's the part that's not really a mystery to me. Is there anything you can tell us about Aftermath 2 and 3? Uh, probably not. <laughs> They would probably... I had to ask. Yeah, I know. Like, I tell people, anytime you ask a question that I'm not supposed to answer, uh, you can imagine that there is a red lightsaber <laughs> igniting over my left shoulder. And if I say anything wrong, 
a swift sweep right, and my head will roll into your audience. And that's what happens. They're very, no, I'm not, I'm beholden. Trapped. It is, I, I, it is nice. It's a trap. It is, <laughs> it is nice to get back to the whole trilogy part, like, because that's what Star Wars started as. Having a trilogy of books is kind of going back to the original. Yeah, I like to think that, you know, we'll tell sort of a unified story in this, sort of in the three books, um, and it'll take us to a certain point, and uh, that point will be impactful in a way that hopefully will be seen. Without being spoilery, do, do the books stand alone, or are they all part of... I think they're, I mean, the first one kind of stands alone if you want it to, but I mean, I think at that point, then the trilogy kind of is the, the deal. Um, much as the middle movie in any trilogy, or the middle book in any trilogy, is going to have connections to both the ones around it. Uh, they won't all stand on their own. The one thing I can say about the trilogy is that I think if you're looking for release dates, I think it's about one a year uh, until. So, so probably they'll all be out before episode eight, I think. Nice. Good. You heard it here first. Did you? Well done. <laughs> May. Nice. <laughs> I you, should I should write it. Have you start? <laughs> I, I really ought to write that book. Have you started writing it yet? Uh, I have. It's all outlined. It's all ready to roll. Uh, I've got to finish the book I'm working on now, which is about killer ants. It really is. Can you give us any fake spoilers? Uh, Luke Skywalker dies again. <laughs> Page ninety four. If you haven't gone to Chuck's blog today, terrible lines. There's a post full of fake spoilers. Yes, there That's is. Great. It's true. Uh, selling any copies here at the con? Uh, the there's a, a bookstore called the Missing Volume. They are uh, I think uh, thirteen hundred and fourteen hundred. They're an end cap uh, in the America's Marked Building. Um, they have a ton of these, and they are all signed. So okay. I won't be signing. I already did my signing today, but I did sign them all. The stock that's there. So the Missing the Volume. Did you deliberately write anything yes. with so much perpetuity that you felt like it was had a good chance of making it onto the screen? <laughs> uh, wow, that's a good question. Like, um, did you try to get a prop into the film, basically? <laughs> not, I can't. I mean, not in the next one, no. But maybe in future films, there's there's a few things. Right. Yeah. I've heard rumbles that are like, well, this maybe could make its way into. Those. I was like, ooh. How, how, what kind of noise would you make? <laughs> there would be no noise. You wouldn't hear it. It would just be a subsonic shriek. And then I would die. <laughs> kind of like right there in the theater. So speaking of things that are tying into the <laughs> films, uh, there was two mentions of characters that I jumped out at me immediately. Um, one was Mon Mothma. Oh, sure. Her sure. being Chancellor yeah. Mothma. Uh-huh. Uh, so that kind of tells you something about what her role is. Um, and I like, and her whole debate is that they are not, going to be a military organization right i mean she's seen what happens when you are a military organization you can't control it sure yeah, yeah. um and the other one i thought was really cool was uh i think ray sloan refers to akbar as or someone refers to him as grand grand admiral admiral akbar yeah yep. that was that you or yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can blame me for that. i mean unless you didn't like it then blame someone else <laughs> No, I liked it. Good, then it's me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep, next question. Um, I actually grew up with the Expanded Universe novels, sure. and I was wondering if you, um, if, uh, if you had borrowed anything from them. Nothing 
direct, nothing overt. Um, I mean, a few maybe little references, but nothing like no big plot. Or the thing is, I haven't read those novels in a great many years. Um, so, and I did not. I purposely did not go back uh, because I don't want to go, um, for lack of a better term, seeding my book with uh, something else that's not really there right now. Uh, like my goal was to sort of fixate on the stuff that is officially now canon and sort of milk that stuff for for all of its pure narrative goodness um but i'm sure that there are things in there that are um cross-pollinated because they i did grow up with some of those books there were some stuff that actually uh, from the expanded universe that went into the movies later on like for instance the name of uh the capital planet coruscant was actually first oh sure sure first in timothy yeah. zahn's novels hello Hello. It's in. It's the Ewoks coming to eat I us. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's their. That's their. I'm going to eat you. Call. So. Uh, anyway, I was just curious about yeah. that. Thank you. Sure. Um, one thing I wanted to ask was also uh, the style of the book. Um, we had a first-person Star Wars book recently, uh, Heir to the Jedi, um, and now I th- believe you are the first present tense. Yes, third-person third person present. present tense. Um, and. Some people didn't like it. Other sure. people did. Um, and if you've read other, your other books, they're all kind of in the same. Most of them are. There's a few that are kind of the so what, past. Yeah. What draws you to that? And well, um, you know, I trained in part as a screenwriter, um, and I also write uh, comics now. And um, to me, the that present tense is a very urgent tense. It's very what they would consider "quote unquote" cinematic. Uh, it, it's like. Um, I explained it on a blog post once that it's sometimes past tense feels like trying to figure out why the painter painted the painting, but uh, present tense feels like uh, watching them paint and not knowing what they're going to paint next. Uh, it feels like it hasn't happened yet. It feels like you're always at the literal edge of the story, uh, like you're watching something unfold that isn't being a story told to you from the past, but is a story that's being narrated to you literally as it's occurring. Um, so it almost doesn't feel like it's being told. Like that, that's one of those lessons with storytelling, right? Is show don't tell. And to me, one of the great sort of ways to show is to sort of keep it present and keep it active. I don't think that's proper for every story, um, but when you have something that has sort of an adventurous, um, action-based or thriller-like pacing, um, I really do like that urgency uh, to keep us sort of really like kind of rooted to the book in a very exciting way. Next question. I was just interested in knowing what's your favorite piece of current canon and why. Favorite piece Good of question. current canon, like um. Uh, do you mean like an indivi- like a, an, an episode of a show or like a part of the movie or a scene like what anything anything man uh, first of all any of the bounty hunters See, I'm a sucker for bounty hunters um, and actually there is a bounty hunter in this book Jazz Amari she's awesome and she has a, a relation who is a bounty hunter from the Clone Wars television show her aunt is Sugi from the Clone Wars television <laughs> show and I love that character. Uh, I love her because she's kind of, you know, she's not only a badass, but also kind of seems to be falling on the side of doing the good thing a lot of the time. Not always, but just randomly helping the farmers or like, it's just sort of like a, like saving Wookiees. Like you're just like, it's kind of an awesome uh, mode to be in. So I sort of like that, you know, bounty hunters almost like, because my last book was about hackers and they sort of exist in this kind of wild westy gray area it's not so clean as to be like well there are bad guys and you're like well mm, they're gray is sort of what it is to me so uh it's a fascinating thing (laughs) thanks you have another question go ahead Mm. go for it 
How many times are you going to see Force Awakens? <laughs> How many times oh, will I see it? The opening weekend. Oh, God. It's good for, see, I have a kid. That's the thing, right? It, like, I'm oh. trying to figure out, like, can I get rid of him for a few days? Um, <laughs> obviously, I want to take him, but I'm not taking him to the first showing because I don't know what, it, you yeah. know, the, like, Revenge of the Sith, man. Like, <laughs> those prequel films, it's like, starts off, because, you know, my son kind of likes that stuff. It's like, oh, look at this cute little kid, Anakin Skywalker. He's so cute. And then the next movie, he's, oh, he's kind of a pouty, surly teenager. And then it's like third book. You're like, now he's kind of cool. He's lightsabering children. <laughs> oh, God. And burning. And burning. Oh. Oh, divert your gaze, four-year-old. Avert. I mean, it's PG-13. It's fairly rated, but you hit this point where it's like my son is of the age to be invested in those first two films. And then the third film, I'm like, well, I kind of can't show you most of that. Yeah. So sorry. Like yeah, he just turns into Darth Vader. Don't worry about it. There's a few times I there's spoiler. A few, there's a few times I went in that movie and I saw little kids and I wanted to go up to their parents and be like, no, you yeah, need to no, you take need to, them yeah. out. Your they child is a youngling. And Darth Vader is going to murder them <laughs> in the face. So let's talk about Force Awakens. What are you most excited about for that movie? People ask me that question and I don't know how the answer is in all of it. <laughs> Like just all of it, all of it. Uh, because I don't know. Like I, you know, I know a little. I know a few little things, but just so much of it. Um, I'm excited to see the new characters. Obviously, I adore the old characters. And hearing Chewie, I'm home is just, or we're home is just like, oh, I just want to weep. Um, and seeing a lot of that old stuff, but I also tr- I want to try to sort of resist that nostalgic urge that makes me want to only care about the things that I've already seen and I sort of want to be invested more too in those new ca- new characters uh, but at the end of the day it's BB-8 yes BB-8 is my master now you I did get one of the roly-poly BB-8s and I'm like that's I will watch a whole movie of BB-8 BB-8 and HK-47 on an adventure together <laughs> if you want to know that novel that I would write it would be that novel the sweet little droid and the Massacring Madman Droid would be that would be like just forget C three PO and R two. That's that's my power duo right, right there. It's kind of like the murder bots from the Vader comic. Be good, yeah. I do love that comic. The comics that you asked me too about some of my favorite canon stuff. The comics right now are killing it. They're killing it. So good, such good material. That scene. I don't know who reads the comics, right? The scenes between the, in, the, in the Vader comic and in Star Wars that are mirrored in that scene with Vader. <laughs> I have a son. Oh, it's like some of the best, <laughs> some of the best fan joy and that I've felt in a long time. So this is your first Dragon Con. It is. And yeah. kind of your first experience with Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. We're an interesting bunch. Yes. Uh, what has kind of been the reaction you've gotten and what do you, is it, do you feel like you're one of the family now? Uh, I feel, I feel threatened. No, um, <laughs> No, it's been great. Uh, everybody's been really excited and, um, you know, warm and interested and uh, grabbing a lot of books and sort of like with that bright eyed, like, what is it about? Tell me now. Like, well, you can read it. It's it's all in there. Um, is it? So, no, it's cool. Yeah. Online, the fans are a little different. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes? Like today. Do you have a story? No, just like, holy shit. <laughs> Like some of the tweets I've been getting today, like emails. Wow, it's good times. Yeah, it's really really good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You personally went in and took all their books and burned them. Oh, I think so. Yeah, (laughs) I did that. Um. So we said we weren't going to talk about spoilers. Uh Oh. 
there is one mention that I have to ask about. Sure. It happens early on in the book, and yeah. it's a passing mention. Life day. So it's not... <laughs> that, that mention? Luke dies? Luke dies by, <laughs> on life day. <laughs> Ironically. So, uh, I like irony. No, this happened... 52. 52. Page 52. Yeah. Um, so. Do you just want to read it? I mean, yeah, I'm going to read it. it. Okay. And then get your thoughts. Okay. All right. Yeah, if oh. you want to leave, you can go ahead and leave. Oh, man. Go ahead. Y'all going to get spoiled. La, 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 That's happening. La, 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 la. All right. Okay. So this is. You're good. Good. All right. We're spoiling now. Speak now or be spoiled forever. Okay, so this is from Wedge. This is perspective. When he kills Luke. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Luke is my favorite character. This was your favorite character. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. His leg isn't broken. He doesn't think. Wait, you read it. (laughs) I wrote the thing. I'm not a speaker. His leg isn't broken, he doesn't think, but it's jammed up pretty good. Once upon a time, he crashed an A-wing at the lip of a volcano, one of his first runs out as a pilot for the then-burgeoning Rebel Alliance. At the urging of a friend, a Rebel agent known only as Fulcrum. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He was dead the whole time. (laughs) Oh, wait, different spoiler. Yeah, Fulcrum. Do you have a question, or you just want to you just want to read that? No, well, that's okay. You can. Was that read. was that a was that a do this? Well, yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> if I can make it like that, I question of can I make things happen in the Star Wars universe beyond this book? Yeah, that's yeah, Fulcrum. Come on, what a great! I mean, just a great revelation. First of all, for those who aren't even caught up, maybe that's even a larger spoiler that people don't know. But uh, yeah, that should be a that should be a bigger thing in all. Maybe. We might see something on a visual medium. I would hope a cartoon would maybe <laughs> be really sort of awesome. And if, if someone Wedge happen- Antilles were on Rebels, if someone happened to write an article called "Why Wedge Antilles Needs to Be in Rebels," yes. might that happen? Well, they should, and it should get in the hands of someone like Gary Widow, who is writing Rebels. Yeah. Just. Just saying. Just saying. We know nothing. What's that? I know, yeah, tweet it, tweet at Gary Wood. Make sure Wedge is in Rebels. It, it did. did. Actually, tweet that I should be writing Rebels. Do that. We can all wish together. <laughs> we can all we can make right. it happen. So we are out of time. Oh, no. uh, Aww. Can you uh, let us know where else you will be at Dragon Con? Uh, sure. Tomorrow I will be uh, at uh, something called Adventures in Super Fantasy, uh, which I believe also is a panel starring Jim Butcher, who is... Um, Nobody knows that guy. <laughs> uh, then there's also another panel with just me, which is weird when there's panels with just you because you're like, oh, I have to talk the whole time instead of sleeping. <laughs> uh, 2.30 tomorrow. You could have uh, napped this whole time. Yeah, I could have been, or at least half the time. Uh, I have a panel about my new book, Zeros, but if you feel like asking me Star Wars questions, you can. It's totally fine. You can come by for that. And, and then um, then I'm at Decatur Book Fest on uh, uh, Sunday. And where can we find you on the internet? Uh, pretty much anywhere. I'm just kind of all over. Just summon me. Google <laughs> me. No, um, TerribleMinds.com is my website where I uh, talk a lot about pop culture and I uh, also write a lot to writers and about writers and about writing and publishing uh, and genre and all that good stuff. 
So, and also on the Twitter's uh, first name, last name, Chuck Wendig. Yeah, if you're an aspiring writer or a writer, you should be reading yeah. your book. Yeah, and nobody should be aspiring writers. Do it. Yeah. Just do it. There do or no, do not. There is no aspire. <laughs> That's right. Writer right. Yoda. Thank you so much, Chuck. Thank you, guys. And don't leave. We have, we have giveaways. We have giveaways.